welcome to Healthcare Du Jour, where we dish up and digest the latest in healthcare. For the next 30 minutes, sit back as we bring you insight, commentary, and discussion on trending topics to the table, all expertly served up by our host and his guests. Healthcare Du Jour is brought to you by Carium, the telehealth platform enabling healthcare's digital transformation, helping you care for people within the fabric of their daily lives. Now here's your host, Matt Fisher. Welcome back, and thank you for joining as we dive into the hottest topics in healthcare. I'm your host, Matt Fisher. On the menu today is Karen Kobelski, Vice President and General Manager of Clinical Surveillance Compliance and Data Solutions at Walters Kluwer Health. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. So, Karen, what I always like to do before getting into the main part of the discussion is to give my guests a chance to provide more of an introduction in terms of who they are and what they do. So, Karen, the floor is yours. So, so my name is Karen Kabelski, and as you said, I'm the general manager of a business unit at Walters Kluwer. Walters Kluwer is a global corporation, and our solutions are really expert solutions for professionals. So lawyers, doctors, accountants, nurses, and we really are about marrying expertise with software and workflow to make the, the lives of professionals uh, better. And um, we, uh, my, in my particular unit, we, we are responsible for clinical software solutions, so software that's used in the clinical workflow. And we recently acquired um, a company called Invistix, which is a, a drug diversion detection software company, because a lot of our, a lot of our customers are um, big health systems who use our solutions for compliance, uh, as well as surveillance. And this is something that really kind of fits in between. It's a, it's surveillance of the population of the hospital, uh, but compliance with uh, drug drug DEA regulations and, and, and their own compliance about how they want to track drug diversion. So it was something that our customers were asking for. And um, it's something that uh, we're really happy to bring because it does really help improve the patient care. And that's what we're really all about at Walters Kluwer is making sure the patients get, you know, the best care they possibly can. Uh, and hopefully our systems will help them do that. So so kind of before diving into um, drug diversion in more depth, I'm, I'm, I always like to ask, you know, what first got you into healthcare? Um, well, you know, I've always been kind of a healthcare junkie, but uh, my, my career path didn't take me in that direction. I initially joined Walters Kluwer 20 years ago, and I was in the um, global risk and compliance business, more on the legal side. But we acquired a company about 11 years ago, a, a company called Pharmacy One Source, um, that was in the same town that I was working for, for Walters Kluwer, and they needed um, they needed some leadership. And uh, so I, you know, took the chance. I'm like, hey, my chance to get into healthcare. So I moved into healthcare about 11 years ago. And you know, so never look back. I'm really enjoying, you know, what, what I do, you know, the ability to bring solutions that actually save lives, improve patient care. It's really meaningful. I mean, I, you know, legal was fun. And as you, you know, uh, as you know, but uh, like this, I really feel like there's a tangible impact of what we do. So I'm excited to, I've been here for 11 years, uh, you know, uh, had different roles in this organization and, um, you know, just thrilled to continue to be able to do what I do. Yeah, those kind of words that you use definitely ring true where it's, you know, once you get into healthcare, you just don't want to look back because exactly. you can feel the, not feel, you not only feel, but you can see the tangible benefit um, that so many different roles in healthcare can have on, you know, so many different uh, people just in your community and more broadly. Yep. So kind of, as you already hinted at, you know, I think we're going to talk a lot about drug diversion today. So I think the first question is, what exactly is drug diversion? So drug diversion is when a medication that's intended for a patient is diverted by somebody in the healthcare um, supply chain. So it can be diverted anywhere from being shipped from the manufacturer to in the hospital pharmacy or in the, 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 the pharmacy um, in the healthcare facility 
to anywhere along the point of administering it to the patient. Um, and it's diverted for a couple of reasons. You know, some cases, unfortunately, the healthcare provider has an addiction uh, and they're unable to control that addiction and they divert the medication for their own personal use. Or in the cases um, where you're seeing a lot of drugs with high street value, they divert it for financial gain. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty prevalent um, problem. I think, you know, there's recorded at least 37,000 incidents of drug diversion in healthcare a year, and they think that's pretty much underreported because you really only report diversion when you can absolutely positively confirm it. And it's very hard to absolutely positively confirm it. So it's, it's a real problem and it's and it's been growing a lot recently. So, yeah, And kind of given the fact that you just said it can happen at really any point throughout the course of the supply chain, you know, what are some of the traditional methods for detecting when diversion is occurring? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's um, traditionally it's been about just literally reconciling ins and outs. Right. Uh, you know, they shipped, you know, a thousand pills of oxycodone, but I only entered 800 into the, the drug cabinet. Right. And so you've got to have someone who's literally rec- you know, reconciling ins and outs. But those were delayed. Um, you know, they're prone to error. Um, and a lot of those systems didn't talk to each other. The, you know, the, the, um, you know, the wholesaler system didn't talk to the drug cabinet, didn't talk to the electronic health record, didn't talk to, you know, the, the medication administration, like the pumps that you use to, to administer the medication to somebody or somebody in anesthesia. So, um, you were really doing a lot of manual reconciliation, printing out reports, comparing, contrasting, and it was really, very late that you were able to detect, you know, patterns of diversion sometimes. And it was really only confined to the sort of that ins and outs. And you weren't really able to see some other patterns of behavior where people could be actually falsifying records so that the, the data looks like it's it's correct in and out, but it actually is not, right? And that's what wasn't being detected kind of in 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 with older technology and the old ways that people used to do drug diversion. So when you're referencing the ins and outs, you kind of what part part of the process is that does it actually mean? So, so for example, okay, some, you know, the hospital is receiving a shipment of oxycodone, right? That gets entered, that gets loaded into a drug cabinet, usually like a large, big computer drug cabinet. And then when an order is placed for medication for a patient, you know, someone in the pharmacy is actually retrieving that, that medication for that order. And then it's going on a tray and it's being sent up to the, to the, to the, to the floor. Um, Sometimes medication is also stored in cabinets on the floors. And then you have a, basically um, a, a guideline, guideline to actually deliver that patient to deliver that medication to the patient. And so you're recording that administration. So you're recording the, the collection of the medication, the dispersion of the medication, the administration of the medication. And then if you don't use all of it, in some cases, you, you have a one vial and you use half the vial. You can't really replace that vial. It's you know one and done. You have to waste it. So you have to document how much you wasted. Um, and uh, a lot of the, and that's all of those places are places where, um, you know, somebody could falsify a record or divert medication. Um, even the fact of returning expired medications, that's a large place where people divert medication. They say that I'm returning, I'm returning, five, you know, I'm returning 10 uh, or, you know, and five get returned back to the cabinet. So that's the ins and outs, right? Medication is, is being handed off from one place to another, to another, to another across the hospital or in any place that, that distributes medication. And there's a lot of people who touch it, um, you know, anesthesia, like, you know, going to, you know, stuff being wheeled into an anesthesia room, you know, stuff being administered in a PCA pump. So many places where medication is is sort of dispersed and then recorded, hopefully correctly. But that's where that's where it can be. There's where those were the opportunities where you can kind of 
you know, uh, divert, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. It also sounds like that's really focused on kind of one, just one piece of the supply chain, because, you know, I think if you're, you know, the way you're talking about the ins and outs, it sounds like it's once it's already delivered and like kind of logged in at the hospital. And then, you know, you're talking a lot about that kind of process of dispersing and prescribing within the hospital. But it sounds like, you know, kind of from what you said before, there could be opportunities for diversion all the way from the shipment out of the manufacturer. Wherever that's true. Going. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And Until yeah, it actually gets to the hospital. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Usually, you know, a healthcare facility is really concerned with what did I order? Um, and, you know, what got received? And that's where they really, the healthcare facility will start looking from, from that point, like comparing what they ordered to what they received. But you, there is totally diversion that could happen even, you know, between the manufacturer and the wholesaler, et cetera. So there's there's lots of places where um, it could happen. We, you know, mostly the healthcare organization is looking from, I've placed my order, you know, I've dispersed it or I've wasted it or I've expired it, returned it back. You can return expired medication. Along those paths, there's places to, to kind of divert. Yeah. And when diversion is happening, you know, kind of, I know you're talking a little bit about how it's detected, of uh, you know, through that reconciliation process. But you know, when it, when a diversion incident was found, you know, what what were the next steps or what were the processes that a facility would traditionally take at that point? Yeah, you, you know, most facilities you have to have you have to be very careful, right? Because this is someone's career. Um, this is you know you know in, in some cases this person is suffering from an addiction, and, and you want to be you know want to be you know careful about that. But you also have to act fast. You want to protect the patients, right? So you have usually there is a, a very formal sort of investigation process uh, that uh, that hospitals or you know healthcare facilities will go through, where where they um, you know they will you know they interview the the coworkers of the of the of the suspected diverter. They'll interview the diverter. Obviously, work with if, if this is a union employee, work with the union to make sure they're following union guidelines. Work with HR and legal to make sure they're following legal guidelines. But have, follow a very specific investigatory investigatory process document what they have discovered um, through the technology that they might be using to detect diversion. Um, and then uh, if, you know, once, you know, you know, in many cases, the diverter will confess. Um, um, if you can catch it fast enough, and that's that's the important thing, if you can catch it early enough, um, you know, you, you can redirect that employee to, you know, rehab, you know, suspension with a rehab. Um, you, you, you may, you're able to get there maybe before it's too late. But if you, if you detect somebody who's been diverting for a long time, um, you really, you know, you have to, it becomes a little bit more serious. And, you know, any diversion that you've confirmed, you have to report to the DEA within 24 hours. The DEA does its own investigation. Um, generally, if it's, you know, uh, if, if there's some kind of uh, where they've altered, um, like, the, you know, like a, 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 disp a dispensing of a, of a, of a, you know, an IV medication or so they've altered the actual, you know, uh, uh, container that the the drug is in, you have to bring in the FDA, who has their own criminal investigation unit. Um, you're reporting it to the license board for that employee, so that they, you know, they 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 look into that. So you, there's usually every every healthcare facility should have a very strong sort of policy and procedure for how they do investigations when they bring in all these third parties. But there's some things that are just absolute requirements, you know, uh, in terms of reporting to the DEA. Um, but you just really have to be careful that you have the evidence and that your systems have collected the data to validate the diversion, right? Because it is hard to, you don't want to accuse somebody, um, you know, without, without real proof and real evidence, you know? Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Because as you're saying, you know, if diversion is not just suspected, but actually proven, 
the the individual consequences are going to be fairly significant. Um, you know, whether or not you're talking about someone who's a licensed professional, because there's you know, you're just touching upon so many different you know aspects with both internal and external to an organization that are going to become involved in that investigation and then enforcement if it gets to that stage. Right, right. And then you've got, and then if you've confirmed it, you've got to notify your patient. You're obligated to do that, right? And so there's a there's a whole other, you know, level of, you know, and then that 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 also potentially opens up not only the facility, but the 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 provider themselves, you know, whoever was the suspected diverter to to lawsuits and things. So there's 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 some pretty serious consequences to to this. And so you have to be very careful about how you conduct the investigation and document the investigation. Yeah, so, and actually, that raises an interesting point as well. So, you know, you're touched on a little bit, but, you know, if you find actual diversion, you know, I think you said, depending on the nature, you contact the DEA and then you also be reaching out to patients. So are those are those requirements driven by regulation um, or kind of what what are the driving forces behind each notifying patient? patients? I mean, you know, it's you you have an obligation, right, because if you if you know that a patient didn't get the treatment that was. Um, you know, documented in their medical record, right? You know, they didn't get the medication that that you said was administered, that you build, that you filed a claim for. Um, you know, you have a you have a legal obligation, um, you know, under the False Claims Act and other things to to notify these patients and to correct the record. So there's, um, you know, there's there's a lot of downstream uh, impact to um, and 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 compliance. And, and you also, you need to be very careful about that, right? Because as soon as you notify patients, then it becomes kind of public domain and you open yourself up to, to lawsuits and things, but you, you have an obligation to, to kind of notify those, no, it, those that you know were affected by that, by that caregiver. Yeah. Yeah. And I think kind of that kind of brings back to one of the first things you said is that you always want to be focused on, you know, the impact for patients, you know, so exactly. it's important to keep that in mind. And yeah. for those of you just joining, I'm talking with Karen Kabelski from Walters Clue. We're talking about drug diversion and so far, we've been talking a lot about, you know, kind of what it is, how you find it, what happens after you've found it. But when we're thinking about kind of drug diversion more broadly, you know, kind of what's the cost impact or what's the operational impact of drug diversion? Drug diversion is very expensive. And there's so many places, you know, uh, I mean, as simple as just the fact that you, you know, that you are if you're not recording administrations that actually happen or you're, you know, you're the hospital is not collecting revenue for that. So that's that's a baseline thing. But you've got the cost of actually the whole administration of the drug diversion program. Right. You need to have s solid technology to be able to detect it. You need to have people who own the process within the, within the healthcare organization and are responsible for the investigations. You need the legal team uh, to be and the HR team to be part of that. So you, you've got you've got to train your employees on you know what they're appropriate you know how to how to detect this and retrain them if you if you discover there's a practice error instead of an actual diversion that's causing something to look like diversion. But then you've got um, the cost of notifying the patients. You've got the cost of conducting you know bringing in uh, you know outside um, agencies to do the investigation. So that's taking resource time away from patient care, right? You've got people who work in a pharmacy or work in uh, you know, other places in the hospital that are now, you know, involved in this investigation. So there's, there's, there's sort of resource constraints, but then you, you know, the DEA um, has been very um, aggressive in their fines lately. So if you have not had a good drug diversion program in place, detection program in place in a healthcare facility, and someone has, you know, 
significantly diverted drugs and, and, and you took you six months or a year to find them, um, they're going to find you a lot of money. And there's been highly publicized fines for um, a lot of healthcare facilities uh, because they didn't have uh, strong controls in place and they let this happen. And so, and, and then you've got the risk of lawsuits and the legal, you know, the, the patients suing you. Um, you've got, you know, potential fines from, you know, CMS if you submitted fraudulent Medicare claims, things like that. So there's the financial implications of this are, are, are significant across the board. Yeah. And tell you a reference to the DEA enforcement increasing and, you know, the kind of the fines there becoming more public, you know, what do you have any you know kind of thoughts in terms of what the DEA would view as a good or you know a reasonable program that might uh, act as you know kind of a counterbalance to a fine being imposed? Yeah, so I think um, you know a good program is one where you've got where you're in near real time monitoring for drug diversion. You're doing those reconciliations on you know a near real time basis. You are if you suspect somebody, you're doing those investigations almost immediately after. It. It happens. You've got a great record keeping system for how you document your investigations and you document your adjudications. Someone who, you know, facilities who don't have any kind of technology in place. And there's there's a lot of people who don't have technology. They're literally doing they're printing out reports from all these separate systems and doing these reconciliations. Um, that's not really adequate. Right. If you don't have someone who owns this problem in the hospital and who is responsible for drug diversion detection, they're not going to say that's an adequate uh, program. If you um, if you only do it in a subset of the facility and not the whole facility, I mean, that was the issue with Yale, right? They, they had drug diversion, but in the main hospital and not in some of these clinics and things. So, you know, anywhere you dispense controlled substances or someone is touching controlled substances, um, the DEA is going, is going to say, hey, have you, do you have good technology? Do you have documented processes and procedures? Do you have ownership of this? If they can't find that, they're going to, they're going to say, Hey, you know, you didn't do what you're obligated to do as a registrar, you know, a registered disperser of controlled substances. And we're going to fine you because you were, you knew you had to do that as part of the controlled substance act. If you were going to yeah, be a registered, just, registered just touched on technology as kind of an important aspect. So you know, what does the technology look like um, in terms of supporting diversion detection? Yeah. So, so um, what we have, um, and 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 this is, I think, you know, where the technology has really evolved. It used to be, as I said, they would they would take sort of, um, you know, just it was a reconciliation, right? I would take data feeds from all these sources and I would reconcile. Now, what we have is is machine learning and artificial intelligence that that where you've got known patterns of diversion behavior, like this is how people have diverted. And let me tell you, as soon as you figure out you know, how what someone is diverting and you kind of shut that down, someone else comes up with a new way, right? So there's always new ways of detecting, new ways of diverting, right? And so if you can identify those patterns and what machine learning does is it basically says, okay, um, I need the following inputs from all these systems, right? I need I need information um, about pain scores um, because pain scores, you know, higher pain scores for one provider versus another is an indication of diversion. I need incident. I need the I need the information from the timesheets if someone's doing all their medication administrations at the end of their shift, or they're re they're getting medication out of the cabinet when they're not on shift. That is an indication. So there's all these patterns of behavior. So you've got to collect the data from all these systems, and then you've got to feed it through the machine learning that is looking for those patterns. And then it'll identify patient, I mean, uh, caregivers who compared to their peers have the highest evidence of, of um, likelihood of being a diverter. And, and it'll sort of identify 
here's the pattern that we're seeing with this particular provider. Here's how it compares to a known pattern of drug diversion. Uh, here's how often this has happened. And then that sort of gives you the starting point for going and investigating. And if you're getting all that data in real time uh, or near real time, um, you're able to do that when memories are fresh, when the incident just happened. Older technology, you know, you do it at the end of the month and nobody remembers, you know, what happened on the floor three weeks ago uh, when someone, you know, failed to document a medication administration or something like that. So the technology now being near real time, but also using the machine learning and to learn from new patterns of diversion. So if something does get, you know, some new way of diverting is identified, you can build that into the into the machine learning or and you train it when there's a false positive, right? So if that's a false positive, the machine learns not to kind of flag that again. So, you know, that the, the you know, AI has really kind of uh, helped this technology grow by leaps and bounds, whereas before it was very much just a reconciliation of of ins and outs and not the the things that would be indicative of diversion that that um, you can find when you when you're looking at things like pain scores or or attendance records or things like that. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of sounds so to some degree that the, you know, that those AI ML tools, you know, just kind of make that old manual process, you know, grow by leaps and bounds because, you know, obviously a computer or a machine can just process more information more quickly than, you know, a human could trying to gather all that information as, you know, and print it out or, you know, create their own spreadsheets out of it. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, older technology only used to focus on controlled substances, but, you know, with AI, you know, you, you, you can cover more medications and, and, and a lot more medications are diverted than just controlled substances. It's not just opioids, right? It's not just, um, you know, uh, ADHD drugs. It's, it's, it's expensive, like these really high street value, um, you know, medications that, um, you know, that people divert or even um, over-the-counter medications, things like Benadryl, because that enhances the impact of opioids, right? So the more you, you know, you can capture more, you can track more medications with, you know, a system like this that does use AI and ML and, and, and pull in a lot more, the entire hospital formulary and not just the controlled substances and things like that. It, it kind of, from what you're describing, it, it also sounds like being able to pull information from all those different sources is really important. You know, so kind of what challenges have you seen of being able to actually get access to and then centralize that information? Well, you know, there's, you know, the the electronic health record, that's fairly straightforward, right? You know, so that's, you know, there's there's very big ones, you know, Epic and, and Cerner and Meditech, and those interfaces are straightforward. Where, where it becomes complicated are things like the PCA pumps, right? The, you know, where you're actually, you know, the patient is self-administering. Um, pain medication. Well, if, if if the person who didn't load the medication, you know, the person who loaded the the, the pain medication into that PCA pump diverted it, um, you need that information, right? <clears throat> uh, that there's a you know, there's an error in the um, reconciliation of the amount administered. People would try to get you know information directly out of the pumps. No, you've got to figure out a way to track how the that that gets entered into the into the EHR flow sheet and then take the flow sheet information into your system. You know, you need to be able to connect to these drug wholesalers and there's a variety of drug wholesalers. So you've got to be able to connect to their systems. Um, anesthesia, like anesthesia pumps and things like that. So figuring out where the data is captured and figuring out the best way to get that data, going directly to the pumps doesn't make a lot of sense, but going to where the data about the pump is entered into the EHR and pulling it out of there is what you know technologists have to figure out. So um, it's it's really about like where is where is all this information 
stored and how do I find the best sources of it in real time? And then how do I create those interfaces into the into the drug diversion detection software? Okay, so it sounds like a lot of kind of process mapping. And then also, I think, as you were just indicating, determining what's going to be the most efficient way to capture or gather the data, because you know the, your first thought of, oh, it's clearly in here might be right. But it might not be the best source of truth for being able to gather, you know, take the the largest scope of information or being able to exactly. capture that with more context. Exactly, exactly. And you don't want to do it a patient at a time. You're surveilling the whole hospital, right? So what is the technology that let me to get a whole batch of, of this information in at once? So I can get the whole patient population. And so there's interfaces um, that do things more of on a batch basis as opposed to an API call one at a time, right? That's much more efficient. You can you can get more data in faster. You can get the you can reason over the entire patient population um, much more quickly than than through um, you know just sort of a call here and there every time something happens. So. Yeah, and that also seems like another key point that you just you know kind of noted, which is that you're trying to look at it on the entire facility or entire organization basis. And not just on a one by one basis, yeah. because it, you know it, it seems like that would intuitively make it easier to detect the patterns. Because if you're exactly. looking at entire data sets all at once, you can exactly yeah. So think about like you know uh, you know on on a given floor you know post post op floor um, everybody's getting post op pain medication right, but this one set of you know patients or this one nurse. It's got higher pain scores than all the other nurses on that. And then the same patient, you know, the next day, different caregiver, that pain score is normal, is normalized, right? That's where you can kind of, oh, a pattern. So, yeah, you have to have the entire patient population. You have to have the entire caregiver population kind of, you know, when you're when you're actually looking at it. You can't look at it one at a time. Yeah. To, to find those patterns. Exactly. It, so kind of given that ability to, you know, it sounds like now more efficiently and more expensively identify patterns, you know, is that bearing out that diversion is being found uh, sooner and more more in real time to when the event is occurring? And then how is that impacting the response? Well, I mean, that's that's what's tremendous about this. Um, you know, the the software that we that we have, um, we we did an NIH study where um, we sort of pulled the historical, you know, data from this facility, and you know, they they found somebody who you know, would have been detected six months earlier with the technology that we had versus the the, the way that they were doing it without that, right? Because it, they were they were getting these reports on a monthly basis. They weren't seeing the patterns as quickly. They weren't able to investigate in near real time. And so the ability to sort of, you know, like have the next day, like this person potentially did something last night that is an ind indicative of diversion and I can go investigate that right away, um, is 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 game changing in terms of how quickly you can detect, you know, uh, diversion. There was one incident I think we had where the the divert, you know, the diverter was detected um, by a um, uh, when we were, you know, kind of going into to put the software in. The diverter had been detected by the director of pharmacy. He confessed to it, um, and then we went and pulled the historical data and ran it through our system. And he had been diverting for five years. He only confessed to that one diversion incident. But because they didn't have the technology in place to detect it, they didn't know that this person had been diverting. And he actually changed his pattern of diversion over time because they had put some controls in place um, halfway through that diversion period. And he switched to another way to divert. So, you know, they're very creative. And so technology is really helpful to sort of accelerate the detection and, and really getting people, 
you know, in that case, that person was selling it on the street, keeping, you know, pre pre preventing this stuff from getting on the street and hurting, you know, society. But for people who, you know, maybe this is the first time they diverted or they they just kind of fell off into addiction, getting them into a, a treatment program, you know, you really want to take care of the providers too. They're, they've gone through some some grueling times. And if you're a provider and you are prone to addiction and you're surrounded by controlled substances, you know, the temptation is great. So anything you can do to um, sort of detect it early enough to get them into a good treatment program is is, is good for the, the, the patients, it's good for the provider, and it's good for the healthcare facility as well. Yeah, no, that's a very, really an astounding example, but also, you know, kind of a great way, you know, to kind of highlight that you just gave of the importance of not just to the patients and to the system, but to the individuals who are engaging in the activity of diversion of, you know, what can, the positive benefits that can come yeah. out of it. You know, I think that's a really great, um, you know, way to be able to end the conversation because unfortunately, believe it or not, we're, we're already <laughs> out of time. I want to thank my guest, Karen Kabelski, for a great conversation today. Well, thank you. I really enjoy talking about it. I'm, you know, passionate about this, obviously. And, uh, you know, I, I hope everybody, you know, is 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 safe from drug diversion, right? Because it's a terrible thing to go through if you're a victim of it. And it's a terrible thing, you know, to, 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 to suffer from if you're someone who's tempted into that. So, you know, hopefully the technology is there to, to, to help sort of help people on both sides of the equation, the provider and the, and the, and the patient in this case. So. Yes, no, more great parting words. And thank you to everyone listening. Keep the dialogue going and connect with me at hashtag HCDEJURE. I'm Matt Fisher. Until next time. Mm -hmm.